You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now, here's Molly. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Business with Purpose podcast. My guest this week is Abby Denalia, founder and director of Transforming Hope Ministries, an anti-human trafficking organization located right here in the central North Carolina area. We have so much to talk about, so I'm going to get right to the show, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Abby. Hey, Abby. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I know. So we're just going to get this out of the way. Abby and I are really close friends, and (laughs) we're sitting here in real life in the studio, and so it's just like... Two yeah. two girlfriends hanging out. Yep. <laughs> um, also, our daughters are, are really good friends. Yes, Even, they are. <laughs> so Abby has a daughter, Emma, who is 11. And obviously, you guys know that Lily is three. Well, she's three and a half right now. She just turned three and a half. And so you guys might be like, why would an 11-year-old and a three and a half-year-old be friends? Well, it's 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 a it's an interesting friendship. It is <laughs> because Emma comes over to my house a couple days a week to play with Lily in the afternoons, and it's great because then I'm able to get some work done, and Lily has fun, and Emma has fun. I mean, I, I hope she has fun. She has. <laughs> she loves Lily so much. <laughs> it's awesome though, and so I hear all the stories about Lily. All the stories, <laughs> but every day she'll be like, Lily will be like, "Is Emma coming to my house today?" And I'm like, "No, baby, she only comes you know two days a week." But then I remember one day she was like, Mommy, I need you to text Abby, <laughs> find out if Emma's coming over or not. And I'm like, what? Mom, mommy, I need you to text Abby. I'm like, this three-year-old is telling me to text my friend. <laughs> or like, or the day when she was like, Mommy, I need you to text Abby, find out if Emma's going to be at church tomorrow. Because if she's not, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite. If, Emma still quotes that. <laughs> no, if Emma's not there, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, are you going to beat somebody up out back? Or? <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, so I wanted to have Abby on the show. Abby is, uh, like I said, the, she's the founder and director of Transforming Hope Ministries. And Transforming Hope Ministries is an anti-human trafficking organization located here in Durham, North Carolina, that um, I've been, I've been on the board for three years. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, this is my three years yep. this month. Yep. And um, and then, I, but I've been volunteering with the organizations almost since the beginning, like yep. right after pretty the, much. like pretty much right at the beginning. So what's it, five, six years? Six, almost seven. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it's that yep. long. Um, so, you know, I want, I, I want to kind of talk about so I found out about human tra- or human trafficking. I knew about human trafficking, but it was not something that I was really aware was happening right here in my backyard. I mean, I mm-hmm. in a lot of ways I would hear about human trafficking and I would think like, oh, that's that's something that happens in India. Yeah. That happens in Nepal. That doesn't happen here. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have this vision in your head of like. Oh, human trafficking is like where, you know, some guy in a van like rolls up and like pulls someone in it and then like takes them off and then they become a slave. Like it's just that's not what that's I mean, I'm sure that happens, but that's there's a lot of misconceptions around human trafficking. And um, so I was actually I was serving at our church on the worship team and I got invited. So this was back in October, right when you guys were launching. Yep. 
and not the, this year, but like six ish years ago. And I got invited to lead worship on the night of the like launch event. And they were like, yeah, can you come lead worship for this, you know, this launch event for Transforming Hope? And I was like, okay, sure. Like I didn't really know what I was, I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll lead worship. And um, Abby shared her testimony and we watched this kind of artsy documentary. I don't really know, know exactly how to describe it. It's sort of a I don't know, how would you describe it? So it's this movie called The Candy Shop. Yeah. It was a way to educate about human trafficking domestically without it being too intense and really without it playing into the misconceptions. Yeah. It was trying to show the relationship between that happens between the trafficker and the victim. Right. So it's sort of this bit. It's very artistically done. Like it's basically about this guy who runs a candy shop and brings these little girls in to the shop and, you know, lures them in and then he turns them into candy and then men come and buy the candy. Yeah. Um, So it's very, it's not, it's very like visual and uh, yeah. Anyway, but after that, I remember just my eyes being open to, oh my gosh, this is happening. I want to, and then I was like, I be I was like on fire. I was like I'm gonna do whatever I can <laughs> to stop this, and um and so I got involved with Transforming Hope, and um, we're gonna talk a little bit about what Transforming Hope does. Um, but the other reason I wanted to bring Abby on the show this week is because this Thursday. So I mean, if you're listening to the show the day it goes live, this is tomorrow. So Thursday, February 23rd. I mean, this is relevant all the time, but Thursday, February 23rd is End It Day. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a movement called End It Movement, and it's basically a, a day where people put red X's on their hands and post it to social media. But it's basically this sort of social media movement to bring awareness to ending human yeah. trafficking in our lifetime. Um, and so I, I thought that, um, you know, we all participate in End day we participated we've participated every year I've known about it Um, and so I thought it'd be just be very timely to kind of talk about why is this something that we want to end in our lifetime and how and what can we as individuals do about it especially domestically because again there's that misconception that human trafficking only happens in other countries when that's not true at all it's happening here all the time so that's my long intro to Abby. So Abby, I'm going to have you do what I have all my guests do, and that's give me the Abby 101. So share with your share with us your story, um, share with us your testimony, and um, and just kind of share your heart for why you eventually started uh, Transforming Hope. Uh, so I kind of had a similar intro to human trafficking as you did. I attended, I volunteered at an event at our church, um, and I just happened to notice on the program that one of the speakers was Australian and <laughs> I thought Ooh. I want to go in there and listen to that accent <laughs> <laughs> it's like that a circus is, that was literally my only thought I was so superficial and God was laughing at me the whole time <laughs> he was like sure you go listen to that accent <laughs> <laughs> so I sat in the back and I listened to Christine Kane who's the founder of the A21 campaign mm-hmm in started in Europe now they're all over the world um talk about human trafficking globally and I had the exact same reaction I was crawling up my seat trying to figure out what I was going to do to stop this like planned out an entire move to Greece to work with a21 with my (laughs) daughter like we were going to do this and thankfully I already had some really good mentors and 
my parents around me and I just shared with them what I had heard and what I wanted to do. And I just basically said either start praying for me and my direction or tell me why I shouldn't do it. And so obviously they just started praying and I started doing research. One thing they really encouraged me to do was just research the topic and get to know what human trafficking was a little better. And um, as I researched the topic, it ended up taking me a year of just research to to figure out all the ins and outs of human trafficking. And it's still really a moving target. Mm-hmm. It's always changing. But in doing that research and then in doing that research, it triggered things from my past. One incident in particular when I was 17 I answered an online ad for a roommate um, and ended up 700 miles away from home in a, what, what I know now to be a sexually exploitive situation. I don't know that it was commercial in nature. I don't know that it got to the level of human trafficking because I don't know if the video taken of me was ever distributed for profit. Um, but I know that there was a setup. Um, I know that there were there were other people involved than just this one guy. So uh, I still, 15, 16 years later, I still don't know all that I was saved from, but mm-hmm. it was it was def- it was a situation that could have been much worse and mm-hmm. is for thousands of kids in yeah. America. But it also even even just that one one weekend in that in the house took about a decade of my life. My immediate reaction to that situation was that it was my fault. There was a lot of shame um, and guilt over answering this ad and being so stupid to fall for his tactics. And um, so I dealt, you know, for the next 10 years, I dealt with um, addiction. I dealt with multiple abusive relationships. I was homeless, had my daughter in kind of in the middle of that 10 years so I, I always tell people if you, you name it and I've probably experienced it. And what saved me really was getting in contact with our church, the church that we we both attend now. Um, and just through a series of circumstances, um, learning about this church and feeling like I had no other option. I had already tried everything else. And um, so might as well give it a shot. Um, and it was there that I met Jesus for the first time. Um, and so I got to experience that I, I know what it is to be exploited, but I also know what it is to be redeemed. Um, I know what it is to be loved unconditionally. I know what it is to be rescued. Um, and so I started as I'm learning about human trafficking and I'm seeing the parallels. I'm also realizing I got to get some help. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dealing with a lot more than I realized. Um, And so I, I dived into a four long, four year long counseling process um, while, while also leading transforming hope. And that was probably the best thing I've ever done for my personal life, but also for transforming hope. And because now, now I've, I know my story. I feel empowered to share it with other people and, and pray that it's used to 
bring others to Christ as well, to yeah. feel that redemption that even Transforming Hope can't give uh, on our own. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. my story or where I'm at now is um, just taking any opportunity, I can, any opportunity I can to share about this, this thing, human trafficking that I've learned about and just how relevant it is. We think it is far away and... That was my immediate reaction too. Is I'm going to go to Greece because that's where it's happening. It's yeah. not here. Yep. Um, but then, you know, the the longer I'm in this ministry, the more I realize how closely it touches our each of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So as you were, I mean, one every time I've I've I mean I've heard your testimony. I don't even know how many times. And every time I'm just like I don't know how you are sitting in front of me. <laughs> like I did. I mean I just it's it's truly like you're a walking testimony and like a walking image of the grace of God. Like in so many ways. Um, and I just admire you so much for that. Um, Thank you. But I, I so I want to talk a little bit more about transforming hope. So you know as you were. You know, you'd heard Christine Kane, who's amazing. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, you you probably know who Christine Kane is. If you don't, you you may know of her, and you don't realize that that's who that is. <laughs> um, she's yeah, she's amazing. She's on Instagram at Christine Kane. Um, but you know, as you were sort of seeking prayer and seeking guidance and all this stuff to to start transforming hope. Um, sort of talk about sort of those early stages of transforming hope and and what your vision for it was once you learned like oh this is actually happening right here in my community yeah. and you know for those of you listening like obviously I know that my my listeners who are here in Durham are small you know compared to <laughs> there's people you know all over the country and some in other countries as well who listen um but you know it's not just happening in Durham either. <laughs> like it's happening in right. every town in America. And I think one of the things too that is so important and a message, I guess, that's so vital about your testimony is there's this other misconception that it can only happen to like poor right. minority teens. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that to be offensive. I'm saying that to, that's a reality. That's it a is. stereotype that people yeah. have. Whereas you are a white female from a you know a middle class suburban household. Yes. And you still found yourself in an exploitive situation. Right. So it can happen to anyone. It doesn't it right. doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter how you grew up, but it's our job as parents, it's our job as adults, you know, just speaking into the lives of our kids um, and our friends' kids and our church's kids and our neighbor neighborhood kids, you know, the kids that live in our cul-de-sac or the kids we yeah. you know interact with at the mall. It's our job to provide, you know, just sort of that 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 safe space, yes. um, but that encouraging space, that uplifting space, and to let kids know they are loved, they are cherished, um, and to just be a good influence. Um, so talk, so talk about those early days with transforming hope and yeah. sort of what your vision was for it, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, so I. Looking back now, I think it probably took a good two or three years before I figured out what the vision for Transforming Hope <laughs> was, to be honest. Um, I think I was so I was so fired up. Like my my initial vision was like, I just want to stop this. Like, yeah. I want to fix it right now. Yeah. What what where's the problem? How do I fix it? And that was that is what motivated me 
the first couple of years. And then as I really started, I was working with a counselor and I'm educating myself while I'm also jumping into helping other organizations and people. And I'm starting to meet people who who have actually been trafficked. And in the middle of all of that, I, I realized the reason Transforming Hope exists is because hearts are enslaved and Jesus can set them free. Mm-hmm. Um, our vision is still to end human trafficking, yeah. but it's to do it practically through education, prevention, and restoration. And sometimes that looks like a training with mm-hmm. a whole bunch of school nurses and pediatricians and ER doctors and it. You know, sometimes it's that, but sometimes it's walking around a public housing community, just sitting and talking to people mm-hmm. um, and getting to know their stories and listening, yeah. listening to them and being that creating that safe space like you're ta- like you were talking about. Um, just being that person that keeps coming back, that keeps showing them they are enough, they are worth it. And I and I want to know about them. I want to share my heart with them, and I want to hear. I want to hear their struggles. I want to hear how can I help. What are they hoping for in their future? And just investing time in them. Yeah, I think your journey has is is much like so many. I mean, I think there's this stat out there that like nonprofits are not self sustaining, or I don't even know what the really the stat for the first five years or something right. like that. Three I mean, years, three first years, three years is really tough. It is. Nonprofits. It yeah. is, and you know, in the first three years of transforming hope, you know, and and we are in a culture just in general. We're in a microwave culture. We want it to be quick. We want it to be yes. fast. We want it to be done in 30 seconds like (laughs) where is that's not reality right (laughs) and that's in a lot of ways not how the rest of the world works right that's very much sort of this american value of just like quick fast and easy and uh, when you're dealing with a topic like human trafficking that is the least uh clean (laughs) easy (laughs) thing imaginable that's even more difficult um and so, you know, having been a part of the organization from basically the beginning and seeing sort of this transition. Um, so, uh, you know, in the beginning, one of the original ideas was we were going to just we were going to do the safe home. Yes. We were going to have the safe home and we were going to bring in girls and we were going to restore yeah. them and they were going to be all better. Yes. <laughs> and <Yep>. then <laughs> reality set in and we had the safe home, um, but it was really expensive. Yes really expensive to run because yeah. you have to think about you have to think you have, you have to have a house mother you have to have a therapist you have to have yeah. um you know you have to have a, a teacher mm-hmm. um security you really really you have to have 24 hours seven day a week 365 days a year staff yeah is what you're paying for yeah you're not paying for 40 hours a week staff right you're paying for around the clock yeah staff. and then you've got you've got just all the general expenses with a house that come with a house yes Mortgage, rent, utilities, right. food, right. all that kind of stuff. And so for perspective, one of the things that we sort of we were outlining this year as we were looking back and um, after we had closed the home, because we realized that, you know, God was moving us in a direct, different direction because yeah. um, we had put two girls through the program in the home. And yeah. once they had sort of graduated out of it, we sort of took a step back and we said, OK, 
Yeah. <laughs> is this what is this what we are supposed to do? Yeah. Is not that these the individual lives of these two girls are not important because they are. That's why we exist. But for all of that money we're spending, so it was about right. $400,000 a year yes. to run the home. Yeah. We were impacting basically two lives. Yes. Not devaluing those lives at all. That's not what I'm saying. Right. However, how can we take that same amount of money or less right. <laughs> and impact mm-hmm. more? Right. And so currently, I mean, you know, basically we're impacting essentially thousands of lives between yeah. the trainings you do with police departments, medical professionals, <laughs> teachers, yep. all the people, parents. We just, yep. I mean, we just, this past weekend, we did a um, training, or I guess it was two weekends ago. I don't know. My dates are all mixed up. Um, <laughs> training on just internet safety. Yep. The, the, those are the types of things that ultimately fall under that education and prevention. Yeah. You know, and then the partnership that we've, you know, formed with this public housing community um, in our in our area. So like with we're impacting all those lives and we're getting them what's <laughs> we've we talked about this in a board meeting a couple of months ago is is it's that I don't know what the there don't, I think there's a quote but it's basically like do you want to be upstream? Oh yeah, it's Desmond Tutu yeah. said um instead of standing at the bank pulling people out of the river go upstream and figure out why they're falling in in the first place yes and so that was essentially what we were doing in those first three years was we were standing at the end of the you know the river pulling people out and we went wait a second (laughs) why don't we flip it on its head and go to the top of the river and catch them before they fall in (laughs) that seems a whole lot seems like a much better idea (laughs) and so that's what we're doing now and um it's amazing how once we sort of listen to that call yeah how god's like see told you <laughs> now we're spending like 10 percent yeah of what like forty thousand dollars right. a year to essentially to impact thousands yeah yeah and doing it i don't feel like we're any our relationships with individuals has been lost either mm-hmm. agreed because we've got we have we're spending less money but we have more people involved now than ever we've ever had um and that's what we need yes people willing to be invested in um that have that same vision of um it's gonna feel a little slower uh because it's gonna take coming back over and over and over and over um but it long term it there's better results yeah now i want to I was sitting here thinking, I want to back up just a little bit. And I realize that there may be people listening that don't fully grasp or understand what human trafficking is or what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we talk about that a little bit? So sure. um, obviously, like I said, there's that in the beginning, there's that sort of stereotype um, misconception that like human trafficking only happens in other countries. What does domestic human trafficking look like yeah. on on a, sort of the scale that we can understand? So um, human trafficking by the federal definition, the um, U.S. definition, um, is one of two things, either sex trafficking or labor trafficking. It comes about through the use of force, fraud, or coercion. Mm -hmm. But domestically, one of the key things for what Transforming Hope does with that definition is that if someone is under 18, um, you don't have to prove force, fraud, or coercion happened um, for them to be a victim. So a girl who you, you see walking up and down the street on the wrong side of town, um, 
maybe not dressed how we feel is appropriate may look like uh, a prostitute or a sex worker. But if she's if she's under 18, by law, she's a victim of human trafficking. So I think that's the biggest misconception that I come across is that people see international victims who are tricked into coming into the U.S. Uh, they think they're getting a certain type of job and it ends up being working in a brothel. And then there are prostitutes. Mm -hmm. There are women who have chosen this life, men who have chosen this life. There are even girls as young as 12, 14 years old. For whatever reason, people still assume that this is something they've chosen or that it, they are just a product of their environment. But they there there is a disconnect between human trafficking and what these, these kids are going through. Um, and so that's the biggest part of my education is or my training is helping people realize that those the the kids you see walking up and down the street are victims of human trafficking they're not it wasn't something that they woke up at 18 years old and said oh thank god i'm finally legal i can go sell myself for sex yeah that doesn't happen right um we did the first year and a half one of one of the first things Transforming Hope did was an outreach ministry for about 18 months um, in strip clubs in Durham. And out of 60 women that we met and talked with, not one of them wanted to be there simply because that's what they wanted to do for fun. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't it wasn't the direction we kept going in. But it was what I learned from that was this isn't a choice. At the end of the day, it isn't a choice. There are circumstances that set them up for that. And so a big part of our training is helping people understand that this isn't that this wasn't a choice. And it is our responsibility as their community to come alongside and to help them get out of it, help them see that unconditional love doesn't mean manipulating you into an unsafe situation it doesn't mean there's no requirement in order to be loved to go sit in a hotel and service 40 customers a night to help support you and your boyfriend mm -hmm. um, that's not the way love's supposed to work yeah um, and I think too there's this sort of this, you know, we talk about the coercion and the manipulation. And a lot of times what it can look like is something to the effect of you have a girl who, again, it doesn't matter where she's from, or what she, you know, what she looks like. It just she might be a girl who maybe is like any other a lot of times middle school, high school age girl who's struggling with self-esteem issues. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe she hasn't had sort of an encouraging or positive role model in her life. Um and so she's she's got some self-esteem issues. She might, in some cases, fall in with the wrong crowd, or maybe mm -hmm. she's just hanging out at the wrong place, wrong time. But a lot of times what these, essentially these pimps are doing is they they see a girl, they say, they kind of they identify that she maybe has some low self-esteem, needs some encouragement, if you yeah. will. And so they kind of step in and they say, hey, how are you doing? You're so beautiful. They just start doting them with compliments. Right. And then it becomes a process sometimes as many as, you know, it's not an overnight thing. It's not like, hey, you're so beautiful. You should come and service my friends. Um, <laughs> that's not it's not necessarily how it works. A lot of times it can be a couple months because right. it's that they kind of enter. They start um, 
doting them, you know, complimenting them. Then they'll start buying them nice bags, nice clothes, right. jewelry, taking them to get their hair done, their nails done, their eyebrows waxed, you know, whatever they yeah. these girls want to, to quote unquote feel beautiful. And so they'll then it's just, you know, a month, two months, three months, six months of just right. earning their trust. Right. Um, and, and then and isolating them from any yep. safety net they may have. Yep. yep. And they're just they're they're kings and queens of manipulation. Yeah. Um, and so then these girls sort of get in their web um, yeah. and and become susceptible because then at one point all it really takes is then like, well, I've done all these things for you, so I'm going to need you to right. do something for me. Right. And then they but the girl has been so manipulated to believe that, oh, you know, but he has my best interest at heart. He loves me. That kind of thing when that's or it can be um, they uh, we've we've actually heard of pimps or traffickers who who exploit the fact that someone has already experienced sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and they use the line of, well, you've already been doing it. Why not get paid for it? And they try to they in a very twisted way, they try to use empowerment, mm-hmm. twisted empowerment, twisted um, empowerment, yeah, to get these girls and boys to do what what they want um, to get them money. Um, it also works very much like uh, gang initiation. Mm-hmm. They're looking for yep. they're looking for love and security and acceptance, which which was also the case in my situation. Yeah, really. Um, I was looking for someone to pay attention to me. I wanted someone to listen to me. I wanted someone to hear what was going on in my life and and really hear it. Yeah. And that's exactly what this guy gave me. Yep. Um, not because he cared, but because he wanted something out of me. And yeah. he knew he could get it if he just sat and listened long enough and asked the right questions. Yep. And so these pimps and traffickers will sell that love and security and hopes and dreams. And then they get into the life and they're trapped. They're stuck. A lot of times too, we see where uh, I think there's a misconception that trafficking follows drug addiction and it's usually the other way around. Yeah. Um, They're, they're gone through this process already and then they realize what they're stuck in and they start using drugs to cope with what yeah. they have to do every day. Yeah. But then to keep using the drugs because they're now addicted, they have to keep selling themselves as well. Yep. Um, but then the other thing we've seen here in our in our own community with labor trafficking is just selling this idea of making thousands of dollars a day or a week or whatever. And it's a 14, 15 year old who doesn't have the capacity to understand that this is probably a scam. Mm -hmm. They just see the dollar signs and they want that. And it turns out to be a situation. uh, It turns out to be labor trafficking. And Um, and for people that don't know, like what kinds of labor trafficking, like what kinds of things are these kids doing? What we know of here in, in Durham and Wake counties is um, door to door sales. Mm -hmm. So they're selling magazines magazine subscriptions um and so it looks very innocent you know to the to the person who is being sold the magazine subscription it's going to look 
just like any other annoying salesperson, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's they're they're working from six a.m. to to midnight. They're on buses. They're they're told when they can eat, when they can go to the bathroom. So everything about their lives is controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not. They may get a paycheck, but it'll have all these ridiculous fees taken out of it so they end up with you know they've worked all these hours and they end up with five bucks in a in yeah. a paycheck um so we know that that's happening yeah. or has happened the other thing the other industries we know of with labor trafficking are like um cons- the construction industry mm-hmm. agricultural yep. industry salons um restaurants um even massage parlors. Yep. Um, that there was actually a huge sting just here in mm-hmm. the area recently. Yep. Um, over some massage parlors. Yep. Um, in uh, a town, a couple t- or a, a couple towns over. Yeah. Um, and that I mean that happened in the last couple months. Yeah. When I came, I came back to my hometown after after I had been exploited, um, and worked in two places that were advertised they were advertised massage parlors but we were required to wear very little if nothing Mm -hmm. while giving the massages um and we were in public we were told not to provide any sexual favors but girls are walking out with 500 hundred dollar tips not because they're just standing there naked right you know there were there was things going on behind closed doors yeah um that the owner would just kind of turn a blind eye to. But yeah. that, I mean, I, I wasn't 18 yet. So, and there were girls younger than me working in these places. Yeah. So um, that that would be, I think, a little labor and sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, yeah a situation like that. Both. But that's what it looks like. To the public, it just looks like a massage parlor. Yeah. Um, and, and even when you walk in, it looks very innocent. Yeah. Um, but the the clients, the people who come regularly, know what they're getting once yeah. you get into the room. Yeah. Now, practically speaking, for people that are listening, that they're like, okay, you know, there's this problem. I want to I want to get involved, or I want to help in some way, or I want to do my part. Um, and this is a co- question we get all the time from people. You know, they're like, well, I want to help Transforming Hope or I want to do my part. What do, what can we yeah. do? Um, what are some of the practical ways, whether you live here in the, the central North Carolina area or you live in Wyoming or you live in yeah. Florida? <laughs> you know, you know, and, and that's the other thing I was going to say is, well, two things. One, um, it doesn't happen in just big metropolises. It doesn't happen in New York and my, I mean, it does happen in New York, but it doesn't just happen in New York, Miami, Los Angeles. Like it happens in your small, yeah. tiny towns. Right. It happens all the time, right under your nose. Right. Um, and it's not just girls. That's the other thing I meant to say is, is yes, we primarily with Transforming Hope, we work with minor wit girls. Yes. Um, but I mean, I think the statistic is something like close to 50 percent of it's 53 percent now. Yeah. 53 percent are boys. Mm-hmm. That's more. So um, there are lots of organizations. There's actually another great organization in Eastern North Carolina called Restore One that yep. works with just boys. Um, so there's lots of organizations that work with boys or boys and girls, things like that. 
But what are some practical ways that people can help and do their part in preventing, educating, and even helping human trafficking? Yeah. Or helping end human trafficking? Well, I think one, I think the first thing would be the same advice I got when Transforming Hope started was just educating yourself. So find um, our website. We just redid our website. And it it looks awesome. Stocked with videos, books, websites, movies, everything, everything that I pulled all of my information from, it's all on our website for anyone to access for free. Yep. Transforminghopeministries.org. Yes. Yeah. Um, So I think that's where I would start. Um, because that's what gives you a better vision for yourself and where you fit into this fight. I think Uh, it's so big and so complicated that it, and that's what I think we've all realized as an organization is there, we have to find our particular spot where we fit in Mm -hmm. and then figure out how to link arms with others who, so we can cover the whole issue. Yeah. Um, So then the other thing would be finding an organization around you um, to volunteer with, to donate to. There's, there's no nonprofit in the world that will turn down a check if you feel like writing one. Yes. And if you Um, need an organization, I have no shame asking for your money for Transforming Hope. (laughs) So even if you don't live in the area and you're like, I really like what Transforming Hope is doing, we will take your money. We will. Yeah. I have no shame. I I am a volunteer. I do not get paid. But having been involved with this organization for as long as I have, I can tell you from first firsthand experience like this this organization is doing amazing things um and we need your money so (laughs) (laughs) but seriously if you are local um one thing we've started doing in 2016 that i really love is this outreach to public housing we just we've been going since june we go every other month um and it's it's a really great opportunity for groups as well Mm -hmm. if you have a group that you really want to come volunteer um and then we work with anywhere from two to 300 kids. Um, sometimes we see a few adult adults. We're working on getting some more adults we're out trying. there as well. We're working on it. <laughs> um, but it's really, I mean, it's a couple hours on a Saturday. Um, and it's, we're just hanging out with them. We usually, we have some sort of giveaway. Um, and then we're just creating quality time between yep. healthy adult role models and these kids. Yep. Um, but then also this year, um, I've been working with um, Durham Parks and Rec owns the community center that we use for these events. And so I've been working really closely with them and trying to understand what the community needs on a more individual basis. So um, it, in 2017, we're going from just doing these larger giveaway events to really getting involved in people mm-hmm. in the community yep. um, and I've already seen a little of that happening I'm so excited for by the end of 2017 I think we're it's going to be amazing yeah it um, really I mean just to see doing. the transformation of uh, what you know when we first went there in June to yeah. what is happening now it's yeah. just it's amazing because relationships are forming trust is building and and yeah I mean you'll see kids out there as young as 18 months to yeah. to buy themselves. Yes. And they're not, I mean, there's no, there's no adult that no. is in charge of them around. Right. So, um, but these are kids that we're able to build relationships with. And then, and then that's also slowly happening with the adults. So it is. Um, we've, and we've got 
I think the cool thing for me is the people we the people within the community that we have advocating for us are not people that I would have I would have ever dreamed would have advocated for yeah. us. Um, some of them are close to me personally, and those relationships in the past have been very broken for mm-hmm. me, broken and painful. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really cool to see God just take that and flip it. Yep all over redeem redeem all of it and and use these people to to allow us to get in and to help this community yeah so i think that's my whenever anybody asks how they can volunteer that's what i tell them because i think it's just the greatest experience um and i would love to include more people in that experience um another big thing is what you were talking about earlier and just talking to your kids yeah um, we, we have training available and we talk about human trafficking, but we also talk about some of those things that may lead to human trafficking, like, um, digital citizenship and just, um, it's something like 95% of kids over the age of 12 are connected now in some way through yeah. social media or a phone or computer or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so we want to come alongside parents and help them understand how to, first of all, what's going on in their kids' digital world, um, but then also how they can help their kids become good digital citizens. Yeah. Not everything on the internet is scary. There's so many great things about being more connected, but we also want kids and parents aware of the dangers of being so connected um the reality of being more connected and then i think it's just off of off of the digital world it's also just talking to your kids about sex and boundaries and consent and who ask your kids who are your safe people and listen to their answer do they have an answer and are they giving an answer? Are they saying you because they they think that's what you want to hear? Or do they really feel like you're a safe person to come to? Yeah. And sometimes that question's difficult for yeah. us to ask because we want to be our kids' safest person. But um, it was it is eye opening to me to to um, ask my my daughter that question and lots of other questions related to these topics and just listen to what she has to say. Yeah. Sometimes she teaches me more than I teach her. (laughs) She, Emma's awesome and you've done an amazing job with her and she's just, she's the best. Um, There's also, if you go to our website, transforminghopeministries.org, there is, you know, you can just click on get involved and there is lots of ways, um, you know, everything from how to pray. I mean, prayer is super important. We have an entire 30 day prayer guide um, that you can also download um, that has just literally 30 days of praying for uh, you know for ending human trafficking yeah. um, you can again volunteer um, shopping ethically you guys know obviously I talk about <laughs> that a lot on this show um, so there's lots of different resources on the website for um, just general not just not necessarily you know location specific but these are just general right. things you can do to be a part um, Abby thank you so much for taking yeah. time to be on the show with me Um so uh, for, for those of you that want to be in touch with Abby, you can, again, uh, transforminghopeministries.org. You can contact her through the website there. Yep. Um, we're also on social media at Transforming Hope on Facebook and on Instagram. Yep. So um, connect with us there. Pray. 
donate, get involved. <laughs> um, and if you have any questions, you can always, um, you can definitely ask me. I'm not the expert. Abby is. Um, but I can also put you directly in touch with Abby as well. So Abby, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. You guys, how amazing is Abby? She is truly one of my dearest and closest friends. And I look up to her so much. So I am so appreciative that you guys would uh, listen to our conversation and, and hear her story. We are so passionate about ending human trafficking here in our community and around the world. So I hope that you also will get involved in some way, shape, or form. If you would take a moment just to head on over to iTunes, make sure you're subscribed to the show, and leave a review. That means the world to me and lets me know what you like, what you don't like, and also just helps us to get the word out there. And be sure to share the show with a friend. That is really how we are able to grow this podcast, and I just can't thank you guys enough for all that you do. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.